HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is a Tuesday, September 12th. 2017. We got a New York state of mind. Some of us were at the uh, Taste New York Tasting downtown in Battery Park in uh, New York today. And um, we've got some special guests uh, on the air, as always. Big shout out to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors, supply of world-class ales and lagers. And check us out on Instagram and Twitter at beer underscore session. So one of our favorite guests and co-hosts ever is back on the show today. And she's been a big part of the, the governor's Excelsior Cup and all the New York state action. <laughs> Ms. Ann likes beer Becerra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was at that tasting today. Man, long day. Good day. Long day. <laughs> you know, the whole New York State thing, I think this is kind of like today is about it. You know, the, the Taste New York and all the New York craft beverage experience has really been growing. There's solid New York State. What? Spirits, beer, wine, and cider. Yeah. And uh, a, a few times this year, the, the state has hosted something downtown. But um, you, there was the governor's uh, what was the first event that you and Mary Isaac judged at? We had a football player <laughs> yeah, and Mario Vitali. And Vitali, that was great. That was the uh, the Governor's Craft Beer Challenge. So that was sort of something to ramp up, you know, showcasing the breweries that are out there and kind of what's going on in the New York beer world. That was really, really fun. And that was like in the spring, late late spring, I think. Uh, May or June. Sure. Something like that. <laughs> I have to look at my phone. Dates sort of blend together at this point. But yeah, it was in the, within the last few months. And then we, the Excelsior Cup, which was held in Rochester, uh, big judging of literally every, I think most of the breweries in New York participated. It now was, that sounds like something really cool. So you guys also, the, you have some guys from Five Borough Brewing here. You guys introduce yourselves. I'm Blake Tomnitz, one of the co-founders of Five Boroughs. Kevin O'Donnell, the other co-founder. And I'm Nick Griffin, the head brewer at Fibro. So you guys, you said that you'd also been part of that Excelsior Cup. Yeah, we submitted our a, uh, mosaic pale ale. Uh, Nick, you want to talk about it? Sure. So it was just a, kind of a new school uh, pale ale brewed with mosaic and Chinook hops. 
just some two-row malt, a bit of oats, and we were really happy that it got the, the bronze medal in the paleo category there. Well, I think the, the only reason I knew about it is because you were part of it, Anne. You're, you're so good on social media. Uh, I, tell us the whole experience. You, you rode up on buses. What, what it was, was great. I actually on? went up a couple days early and went to Syracuse and got to check out some of the newer places that are going on in Syracuse and then uh, drove over to Rochester. And it's funny because every time I judge a beer competition, usually I'm, you know, on time, ready to go, and things start about, you know, usually 20 to 30 minutes late, and everyone kind of saunters in. I was there three minutes late because I got lost, and everyone was in their seats. Paul was talking. This was going. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? And it started early. I don't remember if it was 9 or 10, but when they said 9, it was at 9. And the first flight started coming out, and, you know, it just really didn't stop from there. Very professional. You know, I was in a great group of people. Next to me was... Um, John Fisher from the CIA in Hyde Park and we just had a great group and I mean everybody was really understood what they were there for really took it seriously cared about the industry and uh, ended up taking the Excelsior Cup for a Brooklyn Brewery for threes their fleet pills that we were all super pumped to see that New York City really brought it good friends right. of ours yeah and then today at the uh, Taste New York event did they bring the cup? Yeah, they had the cup sitting on their uh, on their table, and it was just like looked like a Stanley Cup, this huge, you know, giant trophy, and it was really good because that beer is incredible, and they, they do a lot of really interesting things. So I was really pumped for them. It was cool to see. So the last few years, with with what the governor's doing with craft beer in New York, taste New York efforts, and Paul Leon, mm-hmm. the uh, head of the New York Craft Beverage the Brewers Association, Brewers yeah. Association. <laughs> so you guys, as a new brewery, you know, it's kind of your first time on Five Bar Brewing. You know, what does it mean to you? I mean, do you think about, you know, beer in New York, b- beyond New York City? I mean, you were part of the Excelsior Cup the first time there was an all-New York State, you know, judging and competition for beers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think looking at New York State compared to the rest of the nation, it's exciting. I mean, the most recent BA reports in 2016, the fourth state and the number of breweries. But the exciting thing is that per capita, we're in the 30s out of all 50 states. So there's room for growth there. And I think that's what's really exciting is to see New York State continue and continue to grow, not just in beer, but in wine and spirits as well. And looking what happened with the Farm Winery Act and kind of tripling the number of wineries here in New York State, having that happen for beer now is even more exciting. And then uh, also welcome back to the show, Merlin hey. from Ortega. How you doing? How long have you been open now? About a year? Uh, not even, man. It was like eight months. It's been, it's been a short but wild ride. So you reached out. You said you wanted to come on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, every now and then, as a new brewer, we all got something new coming out, right? Um, and I think since the last time we were on, we, we officially launched our family program, which is our bottle membership. Uh, brought a couple of those with me to, to drink. Um, and um, have a pretty bright future ahead of us, too. Um, it's, it's good to know, you know, lots of breweries popping up, but um, lots of breweries sticking around, too. Uh, so it, it was, it's good to say in our first year, it doesn't look like we'd be going away. Right. And what, what do you think about New York State efforts? I mean, has it helped you streamline your opening? Have you been part of any of these? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Farm Brewery Act certainly helped. Um, it, it's the, the it's the license that we have. Uh, it comes with a lot of advantages. And uh, all we have to do is support the local agriculture, which we plan on doing anyway, um, you know, using their hops and their malts. And uh, with our case, because we're an herb, spice and fruit brewery, using a lot of what is grown here as well, aside from perhaps some of the citrus we have to import. Now, Anne, when you were up in Rochester, t- tell us what you did. I want to hear about your, your field trip. <laughs> well, we sat there and literally drank beer for about six hours. Um, no, we went to, I'm going to butcher that. I can't remember the name of the bar that I've wanted to go to for so long and finally went and it was amazing and I'm just blanking, but I'll think of it in Rochester. Um, but yeah, the agriculture, just a little Ooh, bit about that. Rochester. I think that, yeah, I'll look it up. Tap and Mallet. Hey, oh, hey, that was mallet. it. Tap and Mallet. Great place. Um, 
But yeah, I'm excited to see that. I mean, there's so many breweries and that's incredible. But the idea that it's trickling down into our, you know, hop growers and maltsters and grain growers. I mean, that's something I'm really excited to see grow. And uh, and the ciders today, like at this tasting, you know, the ciders and the distilleries. I mean, there was just I was overwhelmed, you know, and it was I'm kind of excited to see that. <laughs> Anybody and to support the farms. Right. We always want to support the farmers and. And then so now and now Taste New York's building up. So in November, what November fifth through eleventh was going to be the first Taste New York Craft Beverage Week. So that, 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 I love seeing the state get behind that. Me too. There's beer, cider, wine, wine, and oh, and spirits. Yeah, you just made me think. Uh, when I was driving up to Cooperstown for BCTC for the first time, I realized that all of these little rest stops along the way there were Taste New York rest stops, and it was sort of like these mini farmers markets that sold all the you know. The d- booze and wine and beers right there in these little tents. And so people who are there, tourists and anyone that's driving up and down, it's like one-stop shop on the side of the road to just gear up and take it home. That was incredible. Blake's nodding his head. I just went up to the Catskills last weekend, and you know it's, it's the rest stops of the gas mm-hmm. station and the Starbucks and the gift shop, and it's cool. We pulled up, filled up our gas, and you know they're setting up a tent for Taste New York. Like, that's exciting to see um, kind of indoctrinating, you know, people who are not only living in the state, but people who are visiting did, the state. Did you pick up a lot of some, stuff. what did you pick up? Beer, they were just, we, they literally were just setting up. So we were, yeah. we were in and out trying to get up to the mountain in time to, to climb for the day. So, so <laughs> let's meet your brewer. So Nick, you know, for, first tell us the beer we're drinking. It's pretty good. Yeah. So we're drinking, uh, the five bros Pilsner, which is our traditional Czech style Pilsner, uh, single malt, predominantly hopped with Czech size. Try to keep it pretty bitter, but, but hopefully get some, some malt <laughs> character at the very end. That one went fast, guys. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody likes your pills. That's good. Yeah, that's why we brew it. I mean, it's meant to be a beer that, you know, you sit down and you don't have just one. You have two or three over the course of, you know, dinner or a meal or just hanging out with friends. Or a radio show. Or, or a radio show, yeah. <laughs> and then, Nick, tell us some of your background. So, talk about New York State. You worked in a few other breweries in New York. So, yeah, my entire brewing career I've spent in New York. Uh, I got to start down at Southern Tier Brewing Company, which is a massive facility down in Chautauqua County in New York. I uh, was there working in their brewing lab, doing a lot of quality control, yeast management type things. Um, then got kind of dragged to New York City uh, by my girlfriend at the time. Uh, so I got a job with Damian Brown up at the Bronx Brewery. All right. I was the lead brewer there for a little while. Uh, and then got kind of put together with these guys at Five Burrows. And after talking with them, it was obvious that the project was super exciting and it was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up at the time. You know, one thing I liked about going back to the Taste New York events, the, the one in the late spring, and I tried uh, Prison City from yeah. Auburn, New York. I think they were one of the they finalists. Were one of the fi- yeah, they were one of the five finalists. They were there today also. And then tell us how you judged it. So the, you were with Governor Cuomo, Mario Batali. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. It was like a power hour. So I wasn't even sure. I think none of us were how it was going to go down. And the five finalists were picked by votes, right? So they had all of these entries. And then the, the five breweries that got the most votes got to be in the final. And they brought out one beer from each brewery. They put their best foot forward. And then we did a flight of five. Different styles, though. There was completely different styles. Like there was no, style. Yeah, and it wasn't um, BJC. It was, you know, not very... I guess, structured. It was more just like something that stands out, pick the best in show. And so we had five of them, but rapid. I mean, I think the whole tasting was done in like less than 10 minutes, you know? And it was like, okay, drink this. Boom. Next one, drink this. Boom. And we're sitting there just like pounding. And I think three or four out of the five were over eight and a half percent. So we're like, okay, quick, this, this, this. It was really hot in there. And poor Thurman Thomas is like sweating. We're like trying to drink it. Great football player. Um, Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, it was a really, really, I mean, it it was a tie between three philosophers from Ulma Gang and this amazing stout from the Roscoe. And they were there today too. They had a really good amber ale. 
that, that they were pouring, I guess it's their signature. But that stout was killer. And so when they added up everything, there was a two-way tie out of five. So <laughs> not a bad, you know, not no, a bad ending. great. Yeah. And you guys, I've, I've tasted, I, I got to meet Community Beer Works from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you. So I, I haven't really. Know, I don't really know all this upstate. I mean, New York is a really big state. Yeah. You go to Western New York. There's a lot of breweries. So I don't know if you guys have been out to Buffalo, but Community Beer Works is also. They, they made some great beers too. Yeah, there's Community Beer Works in Buffalo. So I, I was born and raised. He's in Buffalo. the Buffalo guy. And it, it, it seems like right now there's kind of this explosion in Western New York of new breweries. So. Thin uh, Man. I know Thin Man. Hey, yeah. Oh, shout out uh, to Mike Schatzel. Mike Schatzel, yeah, who used <laughs> to own uh, the now defunct Blue Monk, uh, has opened and they're in a big expansion right now. There's Big Ditch Brewing uh, in Buffalo, Resurgence, uh, 12 Gates, and the list kind of goes on and on from there. So it's, it's been interesting now because in places like Buffalo where there's so many big, old manufacturing buildings that uh, the city didn't even have the money to knock down. Now these people are going in that need square footage and ceiling height, and they're walking in, and the city's pretty much given them these spaces. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there for growth in the future as well. That's great. And Merlin, for you, you know, uh, going back to Ortega, you yeah. know, so what's it like? You're operating out of Industry City. Yeah, we, uh, we share the space with Industry City Distillery, uh, which is a great little kind of partnership. We sublease from them. Uh, Taste Room, you get both of our beers and their cocktails. And uh, it's a really beautiful synergy uh, with just the two of us being craft. Everything you're drinking is made on that floor. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Great. And you guys are also, so Five Bar, we're going to tell more of the story of Five Bar Brewing when we come back in a few minutes, but you guys are also an industry city. Well, we're close. We're about five blocks uh, south um, on 47th Street, but, uh, you know, we're uh, we're in that neighborhood. We're, you know, part of that scene that's kind of up and coming in the, the whole area, but, uh, yeah, we're happy to be there. Sunset Park was, uh, you know, we were looking all over the city for a spot, um, and we walked into this warehouse and ceiling heights and space and loading docks and everything else just made it really the place we we wanted to be <laughs> at. people like so, they yeah, like industry beautiful. city in new york and they like buffalo in western new york for all these great spaces it's you know funny and, to hear someone talk about space in new york city is like the space like you never hear that <laughs> yeah. their place is huge well and for you i want to go talk more about so the, the original governor's cup you know you had like thurman Munson? Thurman Thomas? <laughs> what was his name? Thurman You're sorry? <laughs> yeah, sorry. No. Herman Munster. Yankee uh, fans. Yeah. No, Thurman Thomas. Buffalo, right? He's Buffalo a, I'm not Bills. a football person, but yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. But what I just love that it was that it was you and mm-hmm. Mary Isaac, yeah. who are you're two of the best you know, tasters in New York that I know of. Well, I mean, Brad Leone was with us, too, Brad. and uh, and then Noah Kaufman. So Food and Wine and Bon Appetit, and then... Batali and yeah, him. so it was the like, two of you. I mean, you're like a certified restaurant. You are like one of the best tasters in New York. And Mary also is a national PJCP judge, which is also very rare. She's so, amazing. you know, I, I think it was great that the two of you, as women, but also as expert tasters, were represented. I mean, who, who tapped you for that? Was it Paul Leone from? Uh, I, they did. Yeah, Paris? I just got yeah. a, um, a call from uh, actually from the governor's office. I got emails from someone that works in his office, Elizabeth Beebe. And so they just got my email online. And it's funny, I didn't, Paul has my information. Obviously, we've known each other for years, but I think it came independently of, of them. So it was a nice surprise. It was such a fun day. Oh my gosh. You were there. I mean, everybody was there. It was just a blast. And we got they to see everyone. Garrett, and it was Garrett Oliver and Mario Batali dueling over the best speeches. <laughs> yeah, and Merlin right. was like, what about me, man? <laughs> Next year we'll do it at Ortega. But New York, yeah. New York State of Mind. Kids, we'll be back Cheers in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Cheers. Oh, 
1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly L. Knife & Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors, supply of world-class ales and lagers. So it's September 12th. I want to say something. First, it's our 400th uh, 400th episode, which is, uh, I'm proud of it because a long time ago, our buddies at the Happy Hour Guys, which is a video show, they they came on and said, this is our 300th episode, so I made a point of beating them. And we have. But, you know, for what Heritage Radio Network represents is that it, this is more than eight years now doing this show weekly. People like Ann Becerra has been on a lot. We love you, Ann. And 400 episodes is, is the number one, you know, show on Heritage Radio Network. There's so many other really good shows coming up. But right behind us, Kathy Irway's show and Chris and Mary's f- f- Ferment About It and, you know, the, the Farm Report with Aaron, Aaron Fairbanks. You know, and uh, cheese shows and, and chef shows. This is like such a great network. We call it the, the Foodie NPR. It's better than NPR. <laughs> this is the Foodie Radio Show. NPR, right? So, anyways, thanks for everyone who stood behind us, and uh, it's our four hundredth episode. So, hopefully, we'll be here for a long time. Uh, but, anyways, we're talking about you know, it's the New York state of mind. You know, <laughs> we got. We're, anyways, so uh, Merlin Ortega, eight months in, yeah, brewing out in Industry City. Pour us a beer. Let's tell us, tell us what's going on, and then we're talking about these guys opening five bars. Sure. Bar so, what you're drinking is actually one of our um, family bottles. It's called Rantalian. It's a, a nice little hoppy ale that we do, um, or is this is one that's labeled small ale because it's under five percent. Uh, but it's brewed with lemon, hops, and wheat. So, uh, if you were to categorize it as we normally don't, uh, it's it's a session IPA with wheat. Uh, gives a little body, um, nice bitterness, and then uh, some some funky nose. Yeah, uh, what's on the citrusy. nose there? Um, it's a lot of bit of everything. Uh, so we, we can, went for kind of dank, but then the lemon comes through. We used some uh, hops that were prominent lemon notes as well. Uh, and then uh, the, the bitterness from the kind of the rind of the lemon peel that we used, uh, as well as the hops themselves. And Merlin, for a long time, you were part of the homebrew scene in New York City, which is yeah. n- not only like a great breeding ground, it's very competitive. Totally. You guys had a lot, a lot of events and all the BGCP classes. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm one of the co-founders of the Bruminaries, which is the largest and most diverse uh, homebrew group in New York City. We have over 140 members now. Um, and having an event at the end of this month for our annual uh, fundraiser. Um, but yeah, that, that group is an amazing group of people. Uh, we have some really excellent brewers there. And uh, the, the whole premise of the, the club was to kind of take homebrewers to the next level quickly. 
uh, in conjunction with Bitter Nesters, which is the only homebrew shop in, in New York City as well. And uh, it's from that and that group's passion that I kind of was uh, instilled to start Ortega. And uh, with our herb, spice, and fruit uh, beer concept, uh, we, we actually look to homebrewers quite a bit for inspiration because they're the ones that can get their hands on kind of these weird, unique ingredients. Uh, they can experiment with it the most, you know, in a craft location, especially like for five barrel size, like to do an experimental beer, even at five barrels, uh, which I think is your your pilot system size, right? Uh, it can be expensive. So uh, uh, looking to homebrewers for the inspiration and kind of seeing what worked, what didn't work, and then, and then formulating based on our system size um, has, has worked out really well for us. Great, man. It's good to have you back. Yeah, man. Cheers. Yeah. So you guys, so uh, Five Borough Brewing, tell us what, what it's been like. I mean, you've, you've been working on this project for a couple of years. Yeah, you know, crazily enough, the, the concept originated in the summer of 2011. That seems like forever ago, but uh, started amateur homebrewing in college. Kind of walked in, I went to school up in Boston, walked into a homebrew shop in, in, in Cambridge, and um, not is, to sound too close. Is there a name for it? Homebrew Emporium. <laughs> just kind of my head exploded. Kind of, I don't know, the, the infinite nature of beer, I was just kind of shocked and awed and walked out of there with a homebrew kit and started homebrewing with some of my friends in, in my dorm room and, you know, um, eventually got all my equipment confiscated, which was fun. Um, and then, <laughs> and then went out to a place called Barley What are you Coins. like, 21 years old? <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, went out to he's a, like, look at him. He's like, he's like 21 years old. I would guard him for sure. <laughs> Just turned 21. Uh, no, uh, went out to a place in Natick, Mass called Barley Corns and that's where we started brewing. And, Really, the concept originated uh, kind of looking to develop um, a holistic and, and comprehensive concept for New York City. And I'd, I'd known Kevin, and kind of one thing led to another, and we got a we got a, you know, a more of your homebrew kit, and and met Carl, who's our operations manager, and Nick. We had our homebrew set up up in Mott Haven in the Bronx, and moved that out to the Rockaways at Carl's family's house, and just kind of we're moving this homebrew kit all around New York City, and then uh, started looking for real estate and we're lucky enough to find this amazing facility down in sunset park and it used to be an old steel fabrication plant we had a railroad coming in and um i've just really lucked out in terms of space it took us a lot longer than we ever expected which is kind of the the, the normal story here in new york city but uh, we were really fortunate to work with a lot of great people and um across the board to get it up and running and then, so. kevin what, what's your role so I, uh, I'm day-to-day COO, um, kind of overseeing the operations of the of the facility. Did you actually go company. in and pull up the old uh, railroad, you know, rails and <laughs> we, melt them down into we uh, steel unfortunately we equipment. we had to bury them in concrete, but <laughs> <laughs> we did uh, we left all the other steel exposed. Um, if you've you know if you come down, we we highlighted the steel, accentuated it with our brand colors, tried to leave as much of that industrial feel as possible, and, and tried to limit the amount of um, you know, walls we put up or, or rooms we did. So we tried to really keep that feel of of raw industrial New York City in the space. Well, you guys have a good team. I know a lot of people that are working with you. How did you find your brewer, Nick? We found him at a bar in Manhattan. Uh, no, um, so uh, <laughs> well, we, we did sleep in the bathroom. We did kind of, but uh, no. Um, so Carl Knoop, we had brought on uh, as an operations manager. They were working together at the Bronx, and and Carl said. You, you know, we we need to meet. We need to meet Nick. We need to sit down and talk with him. And uh, we had a conversation, and I think we hit it off right away. Um, and we're able to get him, um, you know, to come on, come on board with us. And Nick, so we're, we're, we tasted some of your beers. We just tasted Merlin's beer. You know, what was your program for, for the beers that you're going to open with? Uh, so I know you have a couple core beers. So we do. We have four beers that make up the majority of our production down in Sunset Park. So we have the Pilsner that we've all been drinking. Uh, in addition to that, we have uh, West Coast-style IPA, uh, Goza, 
that is one of the more interesting beers that we do. So we kettle sour it with yogurt and uh, just unmilled Pilsner malt in the kettle. So we get a nice kind of funky sour character that we really enjoy. With actual yogurt or the yeast? So we, the use, we use yogurt, actually. So there's a farm called Seven Stars Farm, which is out in Pennsylvania, that makes this all-natural biodynamic yogurt. Um, and the lactobacillus that's present in that yogurt will actually sour up really quickly in the kettle. So pretty much do a normal brew runoff, let it sit with this Pilsner malt and this yogurt for about 24 to 48 hours, boil it, and at that point it's nicely tart. We ferment it with our ale yeast and just a really when light... When you said yogurt, also, Ann was nodding and Merlin started nodding. Oh, yeah. No, that, I love that method. Um, the, the yogurt method is great. You really get some nice... Um, Nice dynamic kind of flavors to it. It's not. It's not just like a, if you did a, a solo pitch of a, a specific type of, of bacteria, you get kind of one-dimensional sourness. But with the combination of the different stuff, you, you find some more really interesting dynamic sourness out of everything. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. When we were doing some of the initial R&D uh, for this beer, we did just like you were saying. We used commercial pitches from a couple of the yeast labs and um, got this very clean sourness that almost came off as like a cider which was not what we were looking for so by using the yogurt and then also using just the wild organisms that are living on the the pilsner malt that we steep in the kettle we get this nice kind of baseline of funk that we then layer the acidity on top so you know for, for me right now the biggest thing when i and maybe for you and too um when, when i'm tasting beers at the breweries because you can go to tasting rooms and I'm tasting them in the cans. I feel like I'm getting almost a pure, you know, expression of the beer. Then when I go to a lot of bars, and I don't want to knock bars because I've been, you know, proponent of the good beer seal and clean lines. But sometimes I, I go to some bars and I, I really feel that the draft beers don't taste as good as they should. Now, is it that just you're, you have more control over your cans? Or, you know, what, have you, do you guys think about that in your operations? That's, that's what I'm trying to get to, you know quality the quality of your product because i like i like the beer in cans but you know in, in, in different bars beer tastes different on draft yeah i mean i think it's a big issue i mean it really is as soon as you become a, a brewery that's distributing outside of your facility uh you have to realize that at a certain point you kind of lose control over that product and i think it's really important that um craft bars especially beers that are pouring these kind of higher end craft products are really consistent with how they're cleaning their lines and making sure that they treat the product that we put all this effort into with the respect that it deserves. But it can yeah. even be like, I mean, tell us what you're doing at Treble Park because I know you guys have some Our lines are impeccable. Program. Yeah, no, I mean, we But also like the pressure and everything. Well, we have a flux capacitor. We have like a really incredible draft system and we're able to set, you know, the proper pressures, the proper gas blends. I mean, we don't, people misunderstand. They think we change it after every keg. We have sort of style lines that I stick with that, you know, so if we have, for example, line 20 is always a triple or something like that. So our gas blend's a little different than the pale ales, but we set those and it kind of sticks that way. But for me, I think it's just absurd, A, that the health inspectors in New York go around and give tickets for every little thing under the sun and don't even look at beer lines, mm -hmm. which people are actually drinking from. It's like probably the most the thing you should check first. So you could have an A, A plus, whatever, and have terrible beer lines that are getting people sick. Um, and also, I believe, now don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's illegal for distributors to pay for bars to get their lines clean. And in other states, they're in charge of it. And so it's a really, it can become a really awkward conversation for a brewer or distributor to tell a bar owner, hey, <laughs> I can taste my beer here and it tastes terrible. I think we need to clean your lines. What do you mean? My lines are clean. You know, and then it becomes this awkward like conversation. So there's really no 
I don't want to say governing body, but there's really no standard for people to take care of their lines, and I don't understand that. I used Kevin's to I operations. Used, he's getting excited. <laughs> well, I used to bartend. I used to bartend in Connecticut, and I remember once a week. I'm not sure if this is still the case, but there was a card, kind of like an elevator checklist, where the inspector came in and and filled out the card that the lines were cleaned. I mean, it was what? it was regulated. And <laughs> really? Again, this was ten years ago when I was bartending out of college, but this this existed, and there was a card that we had to pull out, and they that was your college, his, the college inspector. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's interesting because you talk uh, there's kind of this like phrase of kettle to can, kettle to can, and kind of at five bros and just in general, what we hear people say is it's kettle to stomach. You know, I think there needs to be this whole new process of kind of attention and education around what happens when beer leaves the brewery. How should it be taken care of? You know, how should people picking up a six pack not be putting in the trunk of their car just as much as how bars should be cleaning their beer lines? I think there's a, kind of a whole new uh, wave now that needs to hit. And some of these from Walgreens all the way down to your corner bodega need to be investing in refrigerators. Cold storage. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm picturing, too, like just straight from the kettle, everyone that comes in your tasting room just gets a straw. Lady <laughs> <laughs> in the right trumpet. The yeah. 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 Cool. That'd be the ultimate uh, brewery <laughs> tour, I think. I've done that with uh, pins, you know, like going around and siphoning out of barrels and things. That's my favorite oh, yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Yes, at Allagash and the Lambic Breeze. I'm like, it's the best part ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so, do, I mean, do you worry about Do you stay up worrying about it at night? You do. You have to. I, I have to, because I have to say, there's bars that I, I've, I've tried beers at that I did not like the draft. Then I've had the same beer in a can from a local brewery and liked it. So this it comes up for me a lot. We we can only control. I, mean, I care about what I drink. A yeah, lot. I mean we can control only so much, right? I mean we've got an alarm system on our cold box. So if the cold box goes above fifty degrees, the alarm's going off, and I'm waking up in the middle of the night to go figure out the situation. But I know you're that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him; he's like outside of that. I mean, again, when the beer leaves our facility it's it's up to distributors it's up to consumers it's up to everybody to to take care of it nick when for you is your beer the best our beer is the best uh as soon as it's been packaged so you know gets packaged out of the bright tank i would say has a a day to chill out and kind of you know the gas stays in solution and then if you can throw it on tap right then that's when it's meant to be. And drank. one more time, what, what's the, the next can we just had? So th- this is actually the Goza that I was just talking about a couple minutes ago. Yogurt. Yep. So a really traditional Goza malt base, fifty percent uh, German wheat, fifty percent Pilsner malt, uh, a little bit of acidulated, and then we sour in the kettle, like I said, with that yogurt culture and just a little bit of, of Pilsner malt. Great. Let's get our next beer ready too. And then Anne again. So Treble Park. Now mm-hmm. you're the you're the beer director. Yeah. At two locations. That's right. We have a new one in Battery Park. That's going really well. People are very responsive, and it's growing every day. I think they walk in, and they're like, wait, what is this? Hold on. Wait, what? You know, and they see the list, and it's like, okay. So a lot of aha moments going on there from people who, you know, may or may not have ordered a craft beer in the past are now really starting to get into it. And uh, every week, I think I'm looking at what we're selling and what we're starting to move more of, and it's so awesome. So now, how have you impacted? I mean, I think what it was open in Midtown. Mm-hmm. Did you did you open with it or, or you came? In I didn't open with our, our Upper East, the one on Sixty Second Street. I came in about seven months after, but I opened downtown. So you know it's growing. And what's cool this Friday we're doing a massive Oktoberfest kickoff. We're running it for three weeks, but Friday's the party, and it's sort of this trip around Germany. So we're highlighting different classic beer styles from all the beer producing cities. You know, Bamberg and uh, Dusseldorf and. Berlin and so you get this little passport and you can go around and 
travel in air quotes uh, to all these cities and once your passport's full you win a liter of Oktoberfest you get to keep the glass yeah so we're trying to teach people about style get them to try things they wouldn't normally taste you know like alt beer and Rausch beer and gozas and things like that and you know this is kind of a way to do it without just having them come in and slam liters of Oktoberfest which trickles down because now look what we're drinking I mean we're drinking a goza from New York City right so I think in order to understand the trends yeah you know we gotta understand where it comes from so education is key sing it Baby. Where's the downtown location? <laughs> Battery Park, 301 South End Ave. All right. Uh, we just got two kegs. I told them a Five Bros IPA ordered today, coming in tomorrow. <laughs> so if you want to swing by and so drink if, that, if I want to taste week. it like the Pure Draft, perfectly yeah. served, that's, that's right. a place to try. That's right. That's free right. That's my new campaign. Is like I'm actually I'm free I, popcorn. I, free popcorn. Okay. Is, yeah. They're promoting my place. All right, right on. Yeah, I, I really care about the the, the way draft beer is being served, and, and I feel like that we have to start identifying places that are really doing a good job. So yeah. guess what? We'll take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher. Or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's our 400th episode. It means over eight years doing a weekly show, having, oh, free pizza every week at Roberta. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's been a lot of fun. And drinking a lot of beer with great people and great guests. So uh, right now we're drinking uh, Wartega what? Yeah, so this is uh, one of the from first Neer. bottles from our uh, family program. And uh, it's called Pinkerton. It's, uh, it's, it's good, actually. You brought up Germany. And uh, my wife and I just came back from there from a nice long trip. And one of the, the best German products I think most people will recognize is Jägermeister. And so <laughs> this, it tastes like Jägermeister. This is I literally a, a beer that has been reconstructed. Kevin likes that. He's like, yeah. yeah. Likes yes. The uh, What's the stuff they pour in the, in the, beer, the beer bars? That's, Underberg. Yeah. Underberg. It's kind of yeah, like so that, it's kind of the same idea. It's, it's a digestive. I've, I've, I've served this to a couple of different uh, vendors, and uh, a, a lot of them say, like, this is the digestive of beers. Um, and I think in a lot of ways it is. It has all of the same ingredients. It has uh, basil, molasses, anise, uh, ginger, lemon peel. It's a uh, really pungent beer. It is on the extreme end of, like, the herb, spice, and fruit styles that we do. But uh, I personally am really kind of proud of this beer in, in that it's so balanced and so drinkable, but still, I, I think, unlike anything you would drink anywhere else in New York. What's the uh, it's five and five and a half, yeah. So it's much more much more manageable than Jägermeister. <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you mind giving a little like taste analysis of this? Yeah, I was gonna say when he said extreme, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> because it is so balanced and it's so light and refreshing. There's almost like hints of uh, raspberry, but berries. I mean, it's soft and mm-hmm. spicy. I could easily drink this, and I think this would be a nice transition for non-beer drinkers to get into people who maybe like rosé or. You know, different oh, sort of, yeah. Thank you. No, that's 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 the, the highest compliment I think I could get in, in terms of what our mission is with the kind of ingredients that we're using and the beer styles we're pursuing. You definitely taste the herbs. Tastes I mean, like Christmas a little bit. Yeah. Like Christmas light. Christmas, Christmas in July. <laughs> <laughs> or harvest. Right. Harvest. But, well, but you can how, come down to the brewery and get it. That's, how did you get started with, you know, making herbs and fruits? 
Yeah, so our origin story is that I, I'm actually a German immigrant. Uh, I moved here 25 years ago, and um, I've always had really nice connections back to Germany, the homeland, but I never, I guess, really agreed with the Reinheitsgebot, uh, which is the German purity law of the four ingredients. And that's why they kicked you out of the country. That's why they, <laughs> that's why they made Get me out. leave. Get yeah, out! Uh, <laughs> Can you come to your Oktoberfest on Friday? You're welcome, Eddie. Nine. <laughs> so, um, as, a, as a home brewer, I always explored these, these unique ingredients, and I wanted uh, to design a brewery around that concept and uh, over the years you know I, I've been homebrewing for six years and uh, about my second year in I told my wife I want to start a brewery and her immediate response was no um, so we had to kind of come to some terms together. We we uh, experimented quite a bit with ingredients. I made her drink a lot of good beers, some bad beers, um, and we saved, and we ended up finding everything, I'll call it kind of serendipitously at the same time with the space and the equipment, and finally Wartega become a dream. Uh, even Wartega itself is is kind of me and my wife come together. It's my last name, Ward, and her last name, Ortega, combined. We just dropped each dropped a letter. So it, it, it the brewery itself is, is kind of the manifestation of, of our relationship and our dreams and, and what we That's believe great. is great. In the and world. despite all our great, like what Anne's going to do on Friday and great friends in Bamberg and Sebastian Zauer, these cool oh, he's the man. German brewers still like the biggest news last year was, uh, there was a big German, uh, TV. Sh- <laughs> they came to New York to film something and they wanted to know, does Beck's made in Germany taste different than Beck's made in America? Cause I guess some big company owns them. And, uh, I'm like, I'm glad we don't have to have those conversations. <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad that we're, we've, we've moved beyond that. But when you bring up the Reinhardt Scobo, sometimes it's the same thing. It's like, really? You know, I yeah. mean, five years of tradition means there's Beck's made in Germany and Beck's made in America. I, I will say, I mean, when we were there just last week, literally just came back, uh, we were drinking Pilsners most of the time or Kolsch because we're from Cologne. And those are the prominent beers there. And they're delicious. And, and by the way, you guys' Pilsners up to par there. Um, but we, we, went to, we went to Amsterdam and they were trying to pass off what they were calling pilsners up there and i was a little i was a little skeptical uh there's a lot of american influence in amsterdam beer wise so they were you know lots of iba uh, ipas and other kind of hoppy beers coming through there They're, they seem to have pretty good access to american hops um but it's it's really nice to come back to new york and be able to get a nice german style pilsner or you know pilsner of the correct um attributes and and not have to drink yeah, the, Nick, uh, i really amsterdam did like your pilsner oh i appreciate it yeah i mean i think you know, one of the most important raw materials when you're, you're brewing a beer like that is water. And I, I don't think we can discount the fact that the water that we get down here in New York City is just absolutely perfect for brewing these... City punch. These light... City punch, uh, that's what I call it. These light lagers. I mean, that's one of the main reasons that when you look in history of Bushwick and where we're sitting right now, you have these absolutely massive breweries just pumping out lager, staffed by German immigrants, so... And you, you brought a, was this, a crawler from Treble Park? Yeah, I crawled up. Um, do you so, do crawlers at Treble Yeah, Park? we really? have both, yeah, which is awesome. And I actually, we use it as a tool, not just for us, but for a lot of our reps, um, our distributor reps who don't have samples of things, like if it's draft only or something, we're like, well, you know, we'll put it on draft. You can come crawler things up and go sample other accounts on it because uh, it's a really great tool. But this is in the New York... Do you want to sing it real quick in the New York? New York, uh, New York state of mind. <laughs> yeah, this is a collaboration with Finback, right? Our friends in Queens. <laughs> Keep talking. It's not going me. I can't. It's making me laugh. Um, Finback and Jay Wakefield in Miami. And I feel like uh, Florida and Miami in particular have been on all of our minds, right, in the last week or two. And this is their coconut IPA. And so he's speaking of fruit and herbs and this and that. And yeah. I'm obsessed with Wakefield stuff. I think they're fruit beers and they're all their, you know, unique things are so amazing so to have this done with 
our New York City boys pretty good, and we're cranking through it at both locations. I love it. Nice. Taste. How, how do you taste coconut? Like it, when you say coconut, I get it. Before you told me that, I didn't know it was coconut. Anyone want to jump in on that? First one? thing that came to my mind was pina colada, but I'm not a coconut. There you fan. go. You know, that's, that's what that's half yeah. the ingredients of a pina <laughs> yeah. colada. But even with pina colada, sometimes you yeah. have to think that there's coconut in there. For me, coconut always has this really great. Um, sweetness to it uh the same way that like amaretto has a nice almond sweetness to it uh it is certainly distinct but it always seems to catch me off the guard too uh, in terms of like what is that what is that flavor and you're at someone, the beach someone Quickly. has to say it and i'm like oh yeah we need some limes yeah no it's killer <laughs> nick what about if you as a brewer coconuts yeah i mean i agree with uh, merlin that there's a certain sweetness that you get and as, as strange as it may sound i almost associate like um and this isn't the absolute best way possible, like almost a sunscreen. All right, Kramer. It could be some sort of like hand creamer as well. Totally. Hand cream. That might not sound appetizing, but the beer is, is really, really good. And Banana boat. Has all those attributes <laughs> in the best way. It's all that aftermath from the sunburns. You have to put on that coconut cream oil. <laughs> that's where you're reminded of it. Yeah, no, I love it. And I like, I'm seeing this a lot. I think the biggest trend that I've seen in the last year is these fruited sours, fruited oak beers, fruit, like everything. I mean, we're getting passion fruit and mango and this and this and that. I think I have at least one or two on at all times of different experiments with fruit. I think sky's the limit. And I think a lot of brewers are much more in tune with chefs and with dishes and winemakers and things than, than ever. So a lot of inspiration's coming from everywhere. And I love it. And so, and so, Trevor Park and Battery mm-hmm. Park, how many uh, taps do you have? 20. So, um, how many different beers are you going to be serving per week? Because I know you, you're so good about working with all the reps and, and brewers. I mean, you really be, you're going to become like a mecca for craft beer, aren't you, downtown? I mean, that's my hope. You know, I think we just want to get good beer to as many people as possible. And for me, it's never about, oh, it's so super rare. Some of them are, for sure, which is great. But I think the idea is that it's good. And it, every that is chosen is intentional. There's a story behind something, um, whether it's something local that we want to show tourists from out of town, or if it's something national that's been around for 25 years. It's not boring. They've been successful for 25 years. We need to applaud that. You know, I don't want people coming in and be Sierra Nevada. Oh my God, no, Sierra Nevada is amazing, and it's they amazing. have been you know trailblazing. So we need to understand that as well as imports. I have a big. I'm heavy on imports. You know, multi generational brewers. I just got back from Belgium last week. You know, these are people that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And I think that we can get so caught up in trends and this and that and what's happening and Instagrammable beers and everything that's like, oh, so cool, so cool. But we don't want to have an industry that's not sustainable. We don't want to constantly be chasing the next cool thing. We want to appreciate quality in all its forms, whether it's new and local, you know, Orval, it's been around for centuries, whatever it is. And that's kind of the message we want to give, that we'll help everyone find something amazing. And if you're in New York and you're used to drinking cocktails or wine, we'll save you a few dollars in the process. <laughs> All right. And then how, how, do you, how do you bring in a new brewery? So fit, you know, Five Bar Brewing just kind of opened. Mm-hmm. Well, I was at their soft opening, so I got a little bit of a head start on that. And to be honest, if I wasn't and I hadn't tasted them, I probably would have waited and maybe got a sample. Yeah. Before ordering it, you know, but I tasted enough to be like, all right, cool. Let's like check them out. Obviously, they're new. We want to help support small business and new local businesses. They're contributing to the neighborhood, contributing to the area and to our community. So, I mean, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And Kevin, how about want to pop the IPA for us next? Sure. And then you guys, Nick, so, you know, Buffalo, you know, New York City, brewing beer. You having fun? Yeah. I mean, it's... uh Fun is one word for it. Some days are fun. Some days are uh, not not quite as fun. But you know, it's 
you know, it's a lot of hard work in, in getting a brand, especially one as ambitious as this off the ground. But um, it's it's overall been just a just a, a crazy experience that you know you really you know something never I, so something that w- I didn't think when I'd you guys about, opened so. did you help pick the equipment or was it already picked for you? Um, so about half of the equipment had already been um, purchased. So our operations manager Carl played an important role in um, picking out the brew house and the fermenters and that sort of thing. And then after I was brought on, we got some of the ancillary stuff. So our our five barrel R and D brew house and some of the other equipment that needed to be brought on. Can I ask you guys a question? What are your long-term goals as far as, like, distribution, how big? Because what I'm seeing now is, like, you know, especially we say all these New York breweries are growing and it's so wonderful, but now I'm meeting more and more of them. They're like, we're about to distribute New York City. We're about to come to New York City, and I feel like the next stage is going to be a competition, and I hope that's not a dirty competition, but, I mean, with this many breweries, there's got to be something, at least in New York City. So do you want to stay more focused on the city and more local and more at your tap house, or what's the... Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. I great think we question. get that quite a bit. I think you... New I always come and li- <laughs> Great question. You know, new career for Jimmy, man. You, it's going to be on... You look at, like, a city like San Diego, yeah. for instance, that has 120-plus breweries, and they've got 15% of New York City's population. You look at New York City, and we've got 8.5 million-plus people. we get got 15-plus million people of tourists, and we have about 30 to 40 breweries. And so I think when you look at it, New York... and in and of itself is an anomaly in the, in the nationwide marketplace. And so I think um, for us, given the number of people live here, given the number of tours, given the focus that is, is on beer here um, and how many retail accounts there are for us, it's even give our namesake. We don't really have a desire to go outside the five boroughs, you know, and uh, you get questions all the time about, you know, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. And the question is, is like, well, when are you coming? And the question is, when can I get your beer? You know? So, <laughs> I mean, for for Wartag, it's a little bit different. I mean, we're we're certainly a much smaller brewery than than these guys, um, and and to some extent, we are very much focused on our tasting room. But the way that I think we've split it out for ourselves is just really there's three tiers to get involved. Uh, we are in like the next month distributing to bars and locations, so we should talk. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's that's kind of like our our mainstream beer styles I and mean, what we're introducing to the, the craft beer world, at least in New York, is, is a little bit different than what I think has been here before. Um, and then you can come to our tasting room and taste some of the more creative creations and then you can join the family and, and really taste all the crazy creations like the Pinkerton. Um, but to that to that point, uh, there really isn't any reason to go beyond uh, to to some degree even your own neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like uh, it, it, back in the day, we you know Bushwick alone had twenty five breweries, and that's like that's a brewery for every five blocks. Yeah, yeah. like uh, a Dwayne Reed. It's a literally it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's literally like your local watering hole, and and we could totally get back to that. That would not be a challenge. What would be a challenge is for all the tourists to visit all the breweries in New York. Yeah, uh, which is good because then that just means they have to come back more times uh, to do different sections, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. And, and that's kind of what we're trying to develop. And LIC has done a really good job with that, with their little brew tour. And I think with, with Fibro here and us and, and some of the other guys down in, in the Brooklyn area, we're looking to create our own little pocket. Yeah. And I think even you look at like the new tour, like well, not even really so new, like new, but this whole tourism committee on the, on the Brewers Guild now really trying to promote um, people as soon as they land in the city, JFK, LaGuardia, even Newark, hey, here are this broad scope of different breweries you can go and visit, and here's this wide range of beer, and really getting people involved with beer the second they land here. Great. Uh, Nick, the last beer, was it your IPA? So, yeah, this is our, our core IPA. Um, this is probably a little different than some of the IPAs that you see on the market now. So we 
decided to kind of steer it in more of like a, a West Coast realm. So there's a firm bitterness, and we hop it predominantly with kind of West Coast sea hops. So there's a whole bunch of Citra, Centennial, Cascade, Columbus, a little bit of Chinook as well. Um, yeah, hope, hopefully you enjoy it. Um, Great, man. Thanks. And let's wrap it up. And anything you want to say to close out? Or Happy 400th anniversary. Oh, thank you, buddy. All right, you've been on, <laughs> weren't you on the 100th show as I well? I was on the 100th show. Yeah, we were doing a Porkalypse, a beer festival. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It so funny. You guys don't even know. You guys are, this is what happens in life in New York, especially. <laughs> Everything's new and everything reinvents. And you guys are like, what, 400? Thank God for Facebook memories. I would yeah, have man. no clue what happened at any point. Yeah, but we're always focused on the next show and the next show and the next show. And uh, I will say, looking forward, October 17th, I'm a big fan of English beer writer Pete Brown. His, yeah. his new book's out. It's about the magic of whatever hops. He's going to be on. Maybe you want to sit in with us. Hell yeah. October awesome. 17th. That's going to be a great one. So uh, always looking forward to the next show, and I want to appreciate everyone from this network, from you know Aaron Fairbanks and Jack Inslee, and now David Tattashore and Katie and, and, and Justin Kennedy, Brie O'Connor. We, we've had a great run, and we're only getting better, guys. Last year, we, and we even did a live show once at Treble Park. So With, oh my God, wait, real quick. With Olivier <laughs> from Saison DuPont, my favorite beer on the planet. It was his first time in the United States. Landed, got in the cab, came and hung out with us. That we was unbelievable. We did four summers or shows at BCTC yeah. in Cooperstown. We did last year the On the Road series in four parts of New York. So we're just getting better. we got a great team. And everyone, thank you so much around the world for listening. Good friends in, in England and Sweden especially. So, um, guys, one more time, just just say your names, everyone, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Blake Tomlin's one of the co-founders at Five Burrows. Kevin O'Donnell, Five Burrows. Yeah, Merlin Ward from Ortega. Nick Griffin from Five Burrows. Sing it one more time, Jimmy. Sing it. Sing it. <laughs> New York. Think about the concrete jungle yeah. and the New York water. It makes good beer, guys. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Beer Sessionary is all about con- concrete jungle and, and good, and good water. But um, thanks to everybody, our sponsors, Union Beer Distributor, supply of good, uh, good beer, ale, and lagers, and everything. And uh, big shout out, uh, Justin Kennedy, our producer, has been over Whoa! five years with us now. Yay! And uh, yeah, D- Justin, all right, bro. And David Tattashore, engineer extraordinaire. So we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thank you. Good job, guys. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.